The date is Friday, October 1st, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. The Diary of a Wimpy Kid is a book that played a huge part in our childhoods. So, in this episode, we've had the creator of the Wimpy Kid series, Jeff Kinney, on to talk to us about just that. We'll pick his brain about his creative process, the movies, and the musical. So enjoy Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your favorite show on the internet encapsulating all things entertainment. You guessed it, it's Entertain This. Entertain This. As always, I'm one of your prestigious hosts. I'm Alex. I'm Michael. And I'm Nick. And there will be no tomfoolery today. Uh, I will not waste our time with some sort of an antidote of some sort or... What a, what is it called? Anecdote. Anecdote, yeah. Anecdote. We talk. That's it. That's what we do. That's right. That's what we <laughs> do. Close enough. Uh, of some sort. We have a very special guest today, and we don't want to waste any time. So let's go ahead and bring on our guest, Mr. Jeff Kinney. Woo! Gentlemen, how are you doing? Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you so much for accepting our invitation to be on. Mm-hmm. We were talking in the uh, in the pre-show about how serendipitous it was that you just so happened <laughs> upon our invitation on Twitter, yeah, well, which is awesome. really awesome. I, I think I've had a Twitter account for about 10 years, and I think it only really occurred to me maybe six months ago that I could kind of respond to <laughs> yeah i thought of twitter as like a one-way broadcasting tool you know it's like oh mm-hmm. good i've got this thing that i can say stuff to at people you know and, mm-hmm. and i didn't really get it that it's a thing that you're supposed to it's a conversation yeah. and so i've gotten a little bit better but there are there are like you know at least nine years of unanswered tweets at me that i didn't really <laughs> understand how to tweet back at so i'm yeah. getting a little bit better at it. <laughs> I think those that six month period where you picked up on the fact that you could do that, you actually went a little viral, if I remember correctly. I, People, accidentally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the internet works that way in, in very mysterious ways. Um, but we are so glad that you caught our tweet, and um, we are so glad that you were able to join us here today. Um, so I think we just should go ahead and get right into it with some questions. If you're if you're okay with that, let's do it. I'm ready. Okay, um, so I want to start kind of at the beginning uh, of your career that I know of, at least, um, because you were probably knowingly a very big part of uh, my generation's childhood, our generation, I should say, uh, and you continue to be a huge part of people's childhoods as uh, the generations continue. Um, but for our generation, it was Diary of a Wimpy Kid, but even before that, it was Fun Brain. And Pop Tropica. Okay, we're going um, way back here. No, yeah, yeah, so so we're going we're going way back. We're going way back to the days in the computer lab where we would type out our papers really fast and then go get something on coolfont.com and throw it to the top of it. <laughs> and then we would send that in the teacher and we would log on to FunBrain and spend the next hour playing games on there. Yep. Um, so I guess I just want to start there because I want to ask about it and get it out of the way and then we can get into uh, the wimpy kid stuff that that really matters. Um, but how did you find yourself in a place where you were making a website for kids, educational games for kids? Oh, gosh. I sort of fell into it. I, I, was, I was working as a medical software engineer uh, who had a criminal justice degree. So it was a strange thing to begin with. Um, and then I actually met a woman at a party who said she liked her job. And I was like, 
you can do that. You can like me. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and that honestly spurred me on to uh, both marry that woman eventually. And then, and then also to, to switch jobs. And so I became um, like a webmaster and then it, it was kind of a weird time. It was like the internet boom when it all went bust. So I got like floated from company to company to company. And then I ended up in this position where uh, I was at Funbrain, which had was a, um, a website that got into all sorts of classrooms because it was one of the early, um, you know, one of the early educational websites, like a safe kind of place to play. And then uh, I was mowing my lawn one day, came up with the idea for Pop Tropica. Um, mm-hmm. And then that that ended up um, launching in 2007, which was the same year that Diary of a Wimpy Kid first came out. So it was weird that these two things happened at once. If I remember correctly, it was actually Funbrain that helped you kind of launch Diary of a Wimpy Kid because you were releasing them. I believe it was weekly, but I was so young at the time, maybe misremembering that. But it felt like a live diary that we were following of this guy named Greg. Yeah, yeah. It was fun because that was that actually just predated blogging, believe it or not. Wow. So I was doing this thing that, you know, where this fictional kid was was sending out an entry just about every day. And it, it was, yeah, I would say almost every day, um, maybe every two days, and sometimes I'd skip a few. Um, my niece was reading it at the time. Her whole classroom was reading the book. She was probably in about the third grade and nobody believed her that her uncle was writing this. And <laughs> so I was going to set her up where I was going to say, Holly, um, I, I know what's going to happen at the end and I'm going to tell you so that then when the thing happens at the end, all the kids will say, you know, oh, okay, now, oh, okay. but I was going to tell her the wrong thing. Right. So, <laughs> Classic nice. uncle stuff. Would eat it, you know. Um, but, <laughs> but it, uh, yeah, that w- that was pretty cool to to put it up because I I what was really super weird about all of that was that when I I worked on Diary of a Wimpy Kid for about eight years up to that point, and the whole time I thought I was writing something for adults. Right. I just. I thought of it as the humor section of the bookstore where there's books of like, you know, there, there's all sorts of different books in, in the humor section. There's like tasteless jokes and Calvin <laughs> and Hobbes collections and all sorts of things. The, the Garfield my, section. Yeah. And I thought my book, which was 1300 pages long, was going to fit there, right? In the humor section. And so when I released it on Fun Brain, it felt weird because I was like, this isn't really for kids. Um, but I'll put it here because there's an audience and Mm -hmm. immediately the people that were giving me feedback were, um, people from all over the world. They were like law school students in Greece and, you know, and, and, um, you know, college students in, um, in Japan, all over the place. So I wasn't getting any feedback from kids. So that made me feel, continue to feel like I was writing something for adults. And when I pitched it to my publisher, um, I didn't even think at all that it was a kid's book. I thought it was a book for, for grown-ups. I think that that uh, mindset when you were writing it probably did wonders for the actual development of the characters. I don't know if it's just a thing with uh, how I assume writing works. When you write for kids, even if you're not trying to, you have a tendency to write down, to write. But if you're writing for adults and you write at your level and you write something that's appropriate for kids, I at least know that 
when I was a kid reading these books, I was like, oh, Greg's a real person. Like, Greg feels real. And it might be because he, there were things that Greg did that I didn't understand. Or maybe there were things that happened to Greg that I didn't understand. But because I didn't understand, I was like, well, he probably doesn't understand it either. So, yeah, it's funny because, yeah, that's, that's the way I've thought of it as well as that sometimes adults write down to kids. But I think I'd put it a little bit differently these days. I'd say that almost any grown up writing a book for kids would start off with the idea of what am I trying to teach the kids, right? Mm. I mean, that's a good thing, right? That it's mm. very, very good that adults have lessons uh, to teach on diversity, inclusion, non-bullying, you know, ev- everything that's, that's good in this world, right? And it's important for kids to learn th- these lessons in books because books really teach empathy. But I think that it was really, um, you know, for me, if I had been thinking of a kid's audience from the beginning, I would have been thinking, okay, well, what's the takeaway that I want the kid to have? I wouldn't have been thinking, I want the takeaway to be the entertainment Mm-hmm. You know, that, that I want the kid to feel, you know, that they feel seen, uh, I guess, you know, in the same way that like a stand-up comedian gets on stage, they're vulnerable, they're sort of deplorable in a way that, you know, like a Jim Gaffigan type, he'll, he'll get up there and talk about how he, you know, like how he feels about hotel rooms and salad bars and blah, blah, blah. Sure. <laughs> and you laugh because you're like, you laugh because you see, it, he's saying very small things about himself, but you're seeing him as a person and you're laughing because those things they say are true. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's what Greg is, is he's sort of a stand up comedian and I've, and I've gotten a lot of criticism about his morals or his, you know, (laughs) or which we don't have to get into, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't mind it. We can go anywhere you want, uh, with this, this interview. So, um, but I, uh, I I understand. Greg's not a hero, and he'd be very boring mm-hmm. if he was a hero. Yeah, we were Could discussing it? this beforehand, uh, before you had entered. But we were talking sort of about those those sort of theories that people have, and we we all came to the conclusion that like most kids aren't heroes. Most kids at that age, they don't put others first. They don't save the day. They just try to survive. And that's kind of all your books are about. Yeah. Well, I think that if you, some people I feel like take it a little too far is, is that if you say, um, okay, Greg Heffley, one of his first lines is he says one, one day when I'm rich and famous, or he says, you know, I won't have time to answer people's stupid questions. So that's why I wrote this journal. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, okay, is Greg, a, you know, is he an evil person uh, for saying this? Or, you know, does he have some sort of disorder? No, I, I think that everything you need to know about Greg, you know, right there from that sentence. But I think that, and that's sort of as far as Greg goes. That's a That's a pretty rotten thing to say. But I think there's this understanding and this is why the books were weren't for kids originally there's this understanding that the world is going to correct greg right Mm. like right now he's like one day when i'm rich and famous it's like you as a reader you're not thinking oh one day when you're rich and famous greg you're thinking you're not going to be rich and famous (laughs) yeah and i think no way it's really important to understand that to understand the character because he's He's um, he's very braggadocious at a time in his life when you really shouldn't be recording your your life story. <laughs> so so <well> true. <laughs> I guess the the next thing I wanted to kind of talk about is 
some people kind of see Greg as an anti-hero. Could that be said, do you think? Or is he just, just a bad person? I mean, I don't know. He is, I'm not sure what, I, mean, I could look up real quick what an anti-hero is, but I think he <laughs> is, I mean, to me, it's like really easy. He's just me as a kid, you know, just exaggerating. <laughs> there it <out>. is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like there's a story. What was it? I'm trying to think of the snow. There's something about the snowball. Um, oh, the big snowball. Yeah, yeah. There was something that happened that was really. Oh, yeah. Here's something that happened in my real life. And now <laughs> you guys can analyze me. The real I, life. Lore. Real life. I was a safety <laughs> patrol, and I was in fifth grade, and I um, got in a snowball fight with another patrol, like a captain, in front of the kindergarten window. Right. So we were throwing snowballs, which to you know we might as well had guns you know but that's like how severe <laughs> the crime was back then and we were busted by a whole class of kindergartners who like ran down to the you know front office to report us we split right and so that <laughs> night i was like oh man i'm going to school tomorrow it's like i'm going to the gallows you know this is i'm 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 in trouble and there's no getting out of this and i was like and my mom actually said I can tell something's on your mind. You know, I can mm. tell something. She said, you know. They always know. Yeah. They always just, do. She said, just remember, you know, you, uh, to, 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 you know, blah, blah, blah. And you have to live with your actions and that kind of thing. She didn't dig into what was going on. So I decided that the, the right thing to do for me was to not go to school the next day. Right. <laughs> and so my friend. She gave you the option. Yeah, my my friend. Well, I said I was sick, um, but my friend, sick. who was the, the other criminal in this, you know, act, he took the full brunt of the heat. You know, they from he got in trouble, and then the next day, the teachers had forgotten about the other, you know, the other party involved. And I was like, lesson learned, Jeff. You know, and so whatever that is, whatever I was then, that's what Greg is. You know, that's and that turns into a story in Diary of a Wimpy Kid where Greg is chasing a kid, kids with a worm on a stick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, and then mom says, do the right thing. And Greg says, I did, I did do the right thing, which was to keep myself out of trouble. And so <laughs> I guess that's modeling really bad behavior, but it's also funny. And I think it's funny because we see, there's probably something that each one of you guys, Alex, Michael and, and Nick have done that is similarly shameful, right? You're just oh, yeah. out there, you oh, know, man. or maybe you do on the show. But oh, in man. Like, you I know, that, that's, that's the origin of that type of story. I feel it's only fair to out myself as well with a similar tale. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Here we go. <laughs> because you brought it to mind. I was playing uh, touch football in somebody's front yard as a kid. And there were these cute girls who were across the street sitting on one of those electrical boxes that you're totally not supposed to sit on. So oh, kids no. out there listening, <laughs> don't sit on those boxes. Um, and I, I played football and none of the other kids did. So I thought that I was the big man on campus who knew everything about football. Yeah. But one of the players on the other side kept yelling, forward lateral, forward lateral, every time that I would throw the ball. So I remember there being a moment where I, he yelled forward lateral, and I said, forward lateral this, which is a terrible comeback. And then I threw the ball as hard as I Good could, clip. and it smacked him right in the face. And he went inside. He was crying uh, with one of my friends. 
And my mom pulled up at the exact same time. And I was like, whoop, time to go. <laughs> Got in the car and left. And I don't think my parents ever found out about it, though they may be listening right now. And if that's the case, uh, I'm sorry, guys. And I'm sorry, Isaac. I hope that you're all right. I just want to know if everything you do, do you just add this to it and you know, entertain this or lateral this? Yeah. Wow. Whoa. Well, wow. <laughs> well, you're right. What else is in your bag of tricks? That's it. That's all there is. Yeah. You found out our one bit, our one bit that we have. <laughs> so you see it. <laughs> so my next question would be um, growing up with Diary of a Wimpy Kid, we've seen like the Diary of a Wimpy Kid books and we're like, oh, we love those books. Hey, guess what? Uh, Hold on, there's my mom. She says, well... It's too perfect. Uh, but we we grew up and we got to read the books. We all loved the books and we heard about the movies and we loved the movies. Um, and it got so far as I remember there being a Greg Hefley Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, yeah. a, like a, like float, like balloon, which was insane because it's like, oh my God, that's Diary of a Wimpy Kid too. Remember that, um, yeah. So from our perspective, it was like, yes, we love this character. We love these books. This is so cool. I want to know from your perspective, what was it like watching this character that you drew at first just because you were having fun doing it um, into what it now is, which is I think you have a show coming up on uh, Disney Plus as well, which is incredible. Uh, so it just continues growing. But But what did that feel like from your point of view? scary uh it felt like i remember when diary of a wimpy kid let's see the second book came out so it, it, in fact the second book hadn't even come out yet um and i started getting inquiries about a, a movie right and i felt like man i'm just getting started and, and it was kind of cool like you know the producer of batman reached out to me and stuff like that and then all of a sudden i was on tour and it got like really 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 real Right. Where they were like, we're making you a movie offer. They're like, here's two studios that want it. And you have to decide right now. And, and what they don't like is when you get a um, when they make you a movie offer, a TV offer or something like that. They don't want you to kind of bid against each other. Right. They don't want you to go out there and say, let me see what else I can get. So they want an answer. Right. And I was so tired. I was getting like maybe about three or four hours of sleep at night. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta take a nap. I just can't make this decision. And my, you know, the people I was working with said, you, if you don't make a decision now, this offer is going to be gone in three hours. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a nap. And if I wake <laughs> up and it's gone, I'm going to live with that. You know, I'm just going to live with that. So it was, you're saying, what does this have to do with the balloon? I, I would just say it brings me back to that time when this small thing that I created that didn't have an audience all of a sudden had a big audience. And then all of a sudden it was fast, fast, fast and big, 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 you know? So it was kind of a, um, I, I, a person, I'm a person who likes to be in control and I like to take things at my own speed. And it was like, all of a sudden you had to move. And, and so it was exciting. Heady is probably the word that I, that I'd use for it. long answer to your short question. <laughs> no, that's perfect. I, I think that just because this is in my headspace right now, but I was listening to a book by uh, Neil Peart, the the drummer of Rush, who unfortunately passed away last year. Um, it's an old rock band for the young people here, but um, <laughs> he once said that uh, 
audiences were strangers with expectations. And I just thought that like, wow, that's, that's so true in regards to like people beating down your door and like, here's a, here's a whole bunch of money. I want you to go make a movie. And it's like, dude, I'm just a regular guy. Like what, <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah. So, I'm, kind of, I'm talking to you right now from a town uh, called Plainville, Massachusetts. So and wow. it, 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 it is as it's, it is as it sounds. It's, it's, it's right down the road from Foxborough, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Just eight miles away. Um, and the Patriots. It, <laughs> yes, that is right. I went to a game uh, yeah, two weeks ago. Um, but it's, you know, it's a small town. I wrote I wrote the last, like, two books at the cemetery in Plainville. Because, you know, when we were in quarantine, uh, my kids were home. They were, they were um at home doing their homeschooling. So I needed somewhere to be. So I just drove my, my car to the cemetery and worked there. And it's so weird still that these books, like that I write them in a real isolation and, and, and it feels very scary because I, I don't know when my next joke is going to come. And then they get out there in the world and then they're out there in the world fast you know, like fast. I could, you know, I, and oftentimes I tour right after a book comes out, of course, and I go overseas and I could be in Japan or, you know, or Brazil or, or someplace like that. The books are there, you know, and I work so close to the deadline that probably closer than almost any author does. And I just turned, I just turned in my book two weeks ago. And it's already been printed, you know, and now it will be in stores at the end of October, you know, all around the world. It's crazy. It's fast. So, yeah. so this is Big Shot, right? Yeah. <laughs> Very it's, exciting. It's it's good. I got I got to be honest with you. Like, you know, my books are up, go up and down the ladder like any creative endeavor. But this one's a good one. Um, there, uh, it's 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 a sports book for kids who weren't sporty. So all, all the indignities that you suffer through, same, and all the indignities that you suffer through as a as a uh, you know kid, those are all on the pages of this book. That's so awesome! <laughs> what a great what a great subject to be writing on. Yeah, yeah, I think you're writing in a cemetery. You're probably writing some Edgar Allan Poe stuff, but nope. Here's this like <laughs> classic tale of the sporty kid, the bench warmer, who was unfortunately me, but <laughs> it has to be you know it has to be written by someone. Yes, uh, yes. I'd like to ask you a question that I've had on my mind probably since I read the first book, which was a very long time ago. Or I guess it would have been the second book. Maybe the third. I remember at one point thinking as a kid, at some point he's going to run out of colors for these books. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's going to probably be a while, but what are you going to do when eventually you have to loop back around to a color you've already used? Yeah. Well, do you know the answer to that now? Uh, I'm guessing the answer is you're never going to run out of colors. No, it was, it, I, I was asking that question to myself, you know, I basically only have kind of, uh, pink and lavender are kind of the only two colors that are legitimate colors that are left. Mm -hmm. And I, on double down, I, um, you know, realized it was the 11th book. And then I had that kind of a breakthrough, which was to make the spine two colors. Mm, and so all right. of the books, yeah, all of the books after that, are interesting because they're color combinations like and it adds a lot and like when you if you think of the getaway i'm sure you guys had long outgrown the series by the getaway but it, it's got this kind of 
by mixing, you know, turquoise in a, a blue, it, in a green, it's kind of, it gives you a feeling of like a, an island destination, you know, a getaway yeah. island. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really been fun. This new book is actually, it's uh, based on a jersey pattern, like a, it's actually white and it's yeah. kind of a mesh jersey pattern. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. It's a blast from the past. Yeah. And, and it's a smart way of doing it for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think we have a couple of questions from the audience who is watching right now. Um, so we'll Ooh, answer or we'll ask a couple of those and see where we get with that. One person wants to know, what do you think of the Diary of a Wimpy Kid musical? Um, I was unaware there was one. There's a musical? Wow. It was. Um, so we it ran in Minneapolis for a season and it is really good. Like it's at that time, I would have said it's the best thing in the Wimpy Kid universe, including the um, the the books. Mm. Um, and you know, it might still be. It's a Disney. The Disney Plus stuff is really good too. Um, but it's uh, it's really interesting because we had these really talented songwriters um, on the project, and they are in fact they're sort of up and coming uh, superstars in that field. And the songs are so funny and the audience just loved it. I loved it. All the songs are catchy. Um, so that's it. So we're going to put it back out there this year and then we're going to take it on the road. So lots of people will see it. Ooh. Wow. That is really cool. Hopefully it gets, uh, gets around us. We'd love to, to come and see it. I'm sure it will. Yeah. So another one is, why was the original Diary of a Wimpy Kid film series live action, despite it being based off of cartoon books, uh, was it to appeal to an older audience? I think that's a pretty good question. Yeah, that is a good question. It was, um, I guess it was, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't think it was ever, they ever seriously considered making it a CGI uh, film at that time. And... Or, you know, they definitely could, wouldn't have gotten an audience if it was all black and white animated illustrations. It's a too boring for the mm. big screen. So they, you know, they went with live action, which was very strange, like, you know, for me to, to have the, to see, you know, physical manifestations of the characters. But I, I'd have to say that I think the casting is probably the best thing about those movies. You had, these kids who feel classic in their roles. Um, and uh, that was really amazing. I tip my hat to the, uh, the creative uh, types who, who are able to cast and able to see how that's going to go. So by this point, we're on like, our, you know, I've done these musicals and now we're working on Disney plus stuff and I'm on my like personal, like eighth Greg or something like that, you know, <laughs> um, all of them have this certain tonal, similarity to them and rally the rally definitely does mm -hmm. um and so it was it was really weird to see you know this these three-dimensional human beings taking these these roles yeah kudos to the movie people i mean they have to take a a two-dimensional drawing that's relatively simplistic it's a cartoon after all yeah and they make it into an actual person like kudos to them yeah that, that takes a lot so I, I swore I wouldn't bring this up, but I'm going to now. I do remember with Danger the zone. first. <laughs> I do remember with the first movie there being a "Be the Wimpy Kid" sort of a mass audition that was sent out, and the commercial was on like Nickelodeon and Disney and like all those kid channels. Like, if you want to be the Wimpy Kid, film something and then like send it in via email. And this was like 
during the newer stages of the internet. So we were all trying to record on like those old like click <laughs> cameras because no one had like cameras on their phones yet. I remember I did audition for that. So yeah, I think uh, I think my question is like, were you involved in that or was that like an idea that was brushed by you like to do this all of your audience audition kind of a thing? Oh, we, we never saw any of those tapes. Uh, it was just a ploy to advertise for them. No, I love that. I actually love that answer. Believe it or not. Okay, so I there's this, um, like there's, it won't surprise you, there, there's like a website that's shared by, you know, you, where all the audition tapes go. Yeah. And it's like, it's a lot. I probably saw personally 2,000. Greg auditions. And so you don't know how many times I saw somebody saying, first of all, let me get something straight. You know? <laughs> and it's really weird because like you can rule 99% out like that. Right. And, and there's different reasons for that, but there's only, you know, there like even on the first uh, film, there really were only two actors who, the studio was considering, you yeah. know, and it's what's really also very interesting about that field about casting is that like for a role like that, literally every kid that is of in that age range in Hollywood, who's done any work on television or film will audition for it. Yep. So you're seeing, you know, like uh, you're, you're just seeing, person after person who was in this movie or this movie or th this movie and they're acting like greg you know so it's really weird to see that happen and you know and i have to say even for the wimpy kid movies the later ones like we were getting you know for for the part of mom like we were getting famous actresses you know and you know acting like greg's mom and it's just really weird to see it and it's also sad because you're like oh man they want this mm. and and they're not right for it you know, so it's like, it's a kind of a, it's a weird feeling, I have to say. Yeah, I can only imagine. There's a certain amount of power to be like, hey, famous celebrity. Sorry, I don't, I don't want you on my project. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes that happens, like we got Steve's on, this, this is like the typical kind of thing that happens, is that for Wimpy One, um, you've seen The Office, right? The, of course. Uh, the show, the okay. <laughs> Who hasn't this so, point, I mean. I, I would have picked, to you know, Toby from The Office. Um, <laughs> that's great casting. Yeah, for, for Dad, that's who I, that's the kind of thing I, I wanted, right? It's sort of like, is it a drab, sort of hang dog, that kind of deadpan delivery. And then <laughs> what happens is they say, hey, Steve Zahn's interested, right? And then your first thought is, well, that's crazy. And then, mm -hmm. and then you think, and then you think, he looks nothing like the character and he doesn't act like the character either. Mm -hmm. And then you say, but Steve Zahn wants to be in it. Right. <laughs> and then like Steve and then Steve got cast for a role and he did a great job. He, he like, he added a lot to the character and you don't really think about, Oh, he doesn't really resemble the character on, you know, you don't, you're not really thinking about that. Um, but Steve was amazing. He would come into a scene he he's the funniest person I ever met. Like he's funny all the time. And like, you'd just be standing around waiting for the next camera setup. And this dude is just like making you laugh constantly. And he would say like in certain scenes, he'd say the director, like if he was in the background of the scene, he'd be like, 
what do you want me to do? He's like, I'm funny. You know, I, I can be, I, I should be funny, you know? And, and, um, and so just that confidence that he knows that's his tool that he has that most of us don't have. It was amazing to, to see that. And he was, he was always funny on screen. <laughs> that's so cool. Uh, Nick, I know that you had some questions about, uh, sort of more of the drawing comic stuff. If you want to go ahead and ask those. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Jeff, I just wanted to say that you are living one of my dreams Oh, cool! as a kid, um, being a, a full-time, if you want to put that in air quotes, cartoonist, you get paid to do this. Um, that was something that I think I always strive to do. Um, obviously I'm not successful now <laughs> <laughs> being a cartoonist. Everything else is going pretty good, but, um, I kind of wanted to drill down into the topic of like, what, what is your creative process like? Cause obviously, you know, you have to make a book. Where does it go from there after that? Yeah. Um, I have a, gosh, it's, I, I could give you a really long answer. Um, <laughs> I'm all I, here for it. <laughs> we've got none, right? So in the old days, what I did was I started with, um, I wrote down like every funny thing that happened to me as a kid, every, everything I could remember because I figured I own the rights to my own life, right? right. I'm seeing this sketch pad. I'm wondering if there's anything in it I have to show you. Um, so <laughs> not copyrighted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is here? Okay. Actually, you know what? I do have some stuff here. Sketchbook show a, and tell. We had a juggler <laughs> on last month and at one point they picked up their juggling pins and started juggling. This feels just like that. Oh yeah. Oh, that. That's uh that looks like a page from the deep end. Um, or just <laughs> when I was ideating on it. Right. Wow. So yeah. The, the way they used to go, what I, is I just remembered funny things and then I put them into, you know, I strung the funny things together into a narrative. That's books one through five easy, right? And then what happened was that got harder and harder because I, I ran through all my funny, you know, funny things that happened to me as a kid. And eventually it was actually that it must have been the getaway actually um, when I decided to use this technique called systematic inventive thinking. Right. Mm. Whoa, that's a big mouthful of words. I don't know what that is. So you you've piqued and, my interest. Yes. Yeah. In systematic inventive thinking, it's a it's a technique. It's it's kind of simple, right? And I'll I'll, t- I'll teach you I'll teach you how to use it and walk you through it. Okay. So let let's talk about let's say there's um just name something or some place in the world or something. Let's imagine Kansas. Like a, right Kansas. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. All right. That okay. Hey, so, okay. So name, name the, the first thing you do is you name the elements of the thing, right? So what are the components? What makes Kansas, Kansas, right? Tornadoes. Okay. Tornadoes. Corn. Name components. <laughs> Corn. Fields. Corn. Uh, yeah. Long, long stretches of road, broken yeah, down barns. Yeah. Barns. Okay. Good. There's four components. Okay. So let's say that we were writing a book about Kansas. And if we were writing The Wizard of Oz, we would be, right? Exactly. Um, That's the only thing that goes on in Kansas. (laughs) And then so the first thing you do, it's not a creative task, really. It's just listing components, right? Let's say Mm -hmm. I decided to write about an airplane. Uh, So wings, pilot, barf bags, you know, know, bathrooms, whatever. Airline food. Um, yeah, airplane food, food, everything. So that's not a very creative or taxing act, right? So the next step is you take these four or five tools and you apply, they're simple tools, subtraction, multiplication, division, 
And then there's some other ones called like attribute dependency, but we won't get into those. And so let's just take subtraction, for example, right? So you take a component like tornado, right? And let's say, so you, you subtract the tornado, right? If I take the tornado away, I think, okay, if I, if I remove the, what does that look like? If I remove the tornado, okay, the t- tornado leaves, you've got clear skies. Maybe the tornado never, never came to begin with. Maybe something busts up the tornado. You think of every way that a tornado can be removed, right? Mm-hmm. And then you, you and in my world, so systematic inventive thinking is usually used for innovation, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I can think of how to create a product out of this, but yeah. I use it for comedy, right? <laughs> so I say, okay, That's innovative. how do you get the comedy out of that, right? So how about Wizard of Oz? This isn't really comedy, right? But it's a classic line. What had when you combine subtraction and tornado? Can you think of a line <laughs> or Kansas and subtraction? Can you think of a line? Oh, we're not in Kansas anymore. That's right, we're yeah. not in Kansas anymore. So that's <laughs> yeah, classic. That's the subtraction of Kansas. Yeah, right? you subtract Kansas. <laughs> they, said, you... they said we're going to take Kansas. Okay, hold on. We're going to get rid of Kansas. <laughs> we're keep everything else. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm not doing a great job of explaining this, but this is how I do it, right? I just list the components and then go through my tools, subtraction, division, multiplication. And then, so for example, in this book, The Getaway, I started with a plane, right? Mm -hmm. And I listed the components. 237 components, I think, went with an airplane. And then I said, okay, the pilot. What if you remove the pilot? Right. Okay. Can't go in that direction. Uh-oh. <laughs> or can you? Right. Okay. So you remove the pilot. What what happened? How do you remove the pilot? Pilot dies. Uh pilot leaves. Um, <laughs> pilot was never there to begin with. Whatever. You know, you think of those mm-hmm. things. Okay, two jokes I got out of subtracting the pilot in that book, which I'm sure you guys didn't read. So one of them was that <laughs> right. Greg says, okay. He says, if he was a pilot, like he hits some turbulence. Greg gets really nervous. He hits turbulence. And then Greg says, if I was a pilot, the first sign of any trouble, I'm out of there. Right. <laughs> and so there's, there's a picture of Greg parachuting, you know, as the people on the plane, I guess, you know, go perish. Um, and then another joke was Greg. This said, is why people question Greg, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they do it. I know. And then the other joke was I said, okay, Greg would. You know, there's two pilots. Why are there two pilots? Because if one dies, that you know, then the other one can can lay on the plane, right? Mm-hmm. And Greg says, "Okay, well, what if you know the first pilot dies, and then the other one gets so stressed that he dies too, or he or she <laughs> dies too? You know, then what? Like, you know, I'm just thinking like a kid. But those jokes were both not created by my experiences or even my thoughts. They were created by systematic inventive thinking." Mm. And so it's just like, that's what I do. I just grind. I grind and grind for about a month and a half on components and then tools and boom, at the end, I've got about 700 jokes. That is awesome. That's a, that's a process. I really (laughs) wish I would have heard back when I was like in high school, because like I wanted so badly to be creative, but I'm such an analytical person, which is I cannot physically put myself in a creative mental space. But doing it and approaching it in that way is so, so interesting. I love that. People think that's, I'm weird because I'm so cool. structured, but 
I mean, cause I'm, I'm a creative in my day job. I'm a graphic designer, but yes. I have everything like set up in folders. As far as the eye can see, everything's gridded out on a nice, like typographic grid. And they think I'm weird. Like a, a left brained creative person, it doesn't like mesh in their, in their heads, but it actually makes a lot of sense because you can tackle ideas like this amorphous creative blob, and then you can put a structure around it and then take off segments and make something new. I mean, so it's great to hear. Yeah. And it's interesting with the cartoonists in particular, like we all need some sort of boundaries and we need like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you give me a blank page, it's very difficult for me to work within that. But if you give me four cells, you know, in a comic strip, I say, okay, now I understand. Now I've got some structure to work Mm -hmm. with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The combination of those two things works well. Yeah. Yeah. Super important. Um, So do you think, so this, the systematic way is very cool. But I, this this is maybe a suggestion. You do have kids, and eventually they're going to start doing dumb stuff. <laughs> and then you can just, you know, take that stuff and, you know, insert Greg into it. Right. Every got- so often. Every so often that happens. But my kids are practically grown now. I've got an 18-year-old and a 16-year-old. So they got, I probably got a combined total of you know, six jokes out of them that were like legit. They did it. I took it. And my, my older son, I remember he, he came home from preschool and you guys, I know you did read this book where this happened is that he, um, he came home from preschool and said, well, we sang the the cleanup song, you know, clean up, clean up. Yeah. (laughs) He was just, he was just walking. I said, did you clean up? He's like, well, I would, he said, I was walking around the room just singing the song. Yep. yep. <laughs> and there. <laughs> Chip off the old block. Yeah. yeah. Like, that was wow. me. That was me. I'd sing the song, you know. Very cool. <laughs> um, I want to kind of get into, as we're getting sort of later in the episode, I want to get into some of the newer stuff that you have going on. Um, stuff like... You have this Disney Plus series that's coming out, and I don't know if you can fully talk about it or how much you're able to say, but we'd love to hear the the process of you getting involved in that and that being made and kind of where that takes place within the Wimpy Kid universe, um, as well as your new book that's coming out. I'd also love to talk about. So however you want to however you want to tackle that, if you're able to. Yeah, I there are certain things I can say about it, but what I can say is that this first Disney Plus movie is it's book one you know it's basically it's we're calling it a feature it it feels like a movie it feels expensive which is cool you know it's like cgi i don't know if you guys saw any of the the Mm -hmm. these are kind of art but it it looks you know it's funny that that one thing of greg and rally peeking out it's a little jarring because you're like oh this is this is weird you know seeing these characters (laughs) like this but when you see a move it's like it all it all works really well and it's um so it's uh it's really cool i'm a i'm a writer i'm the writer and um you know for the first time like fully and also um a producer and in fact right after this in you know in 16 minutes here i'm I'm going to be on a creative call with the director and the other producers and we're, you know, working on the next thing. And it's, um, it's really cool. Like it's, um, it, it, it feels very much like the books come to life in a way that the movies didn't always, um, you know, it feels like very tied in. And, um, and, and so that's, that's, uh, that's what we're working on right now, but it's, it's crazy. Like on a given day, um, 
you know, sometimes like we're recording kids or even grownups, like just constantly like in sessions like this, where they're on the microphone and you could have a really famous actor. I'm not allowed to say who's, who's in it just yet, but we have some totally really famous fair. actors. Yeah. And I'm like, it's, it, it's magic. Imagine for, for example, just that it was like, uh, I'm trying to think of who, who somebody might uh, just name an actor in your generation. Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, he's Ryan not in it, so we got that off. Yeah, right. So imagine <laughs> that you wrote lines for Ryan Reynolds, right? He comes into the studio like this, you know, he shuffles through papers and says, all right. And then the director goes, okay, this is a scene where you're trapped in a phone booth and, you know, somebody's spying on you from a window. And it's like, okay, set the scene. Boom. He's going right into the lines that you wrote, you know, mm-hmm. that you wrote. And then you, and then you type from your computer, uh, more emphasis on the word fear or, uh, you know, more animated or, uh, try, try a comic take on this line or whatever. And two seconds later there, you know, the director is saying, Hey, why don't you try, you know, why don't you emphasize the word fear? Why don't you, you know, why don't you, you know, add more comedy, blah, blah, blah. It's like an, incredibly kinetic and rewarding feeling and if you know you guys are creative types you're you're creating a, a young age so that means you're going to be creators in into your lives mm. and i hope you get into a position where you can feel control and all, you know influence and all those things because it's uh you know i'm 50 now but it took me this long to get into that spot but there are a lot of people who will never be in that spot so <laughs> kudos to you i mean i it's completely earned and that's clear uh, because you, you've, you've put in the work and you've entertained millions and millions of people all around the world. Um, so let's talk a, <laughs> wow. Look at you. That's a little plug. Um, nice. Free charge. <laughs> so we're going to spend the last 10 minutes on a pseudo quick this, and I'll explain what a quick this is. Cause like you said, our thing is just adding this to stuff, but that's what we do. Yep. Um, it's kind of trademark. But before we do, um, I want to talk about your new book. I want to talk about, uh, I think, Big Shot, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, mm. it, is, it is the continuation of Greg's story. Yeah. And we, we know already that he gets involved in some sports and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so what, what can we expect in, in this book, maybe, that continues on that story? Yeah. I, this book is almost like a standalone book. It, in when I started writing it, I thought, it, it, when, I, when I start writing a book, I say, imagine that one day, I sort of re- reverse engineer the books, right? Is I say, imagine that one day someone says, this is the most important book ever written for children, right? Just imagine that. Like what would, and knowing it's about sports, what would have to happen in that book for that? for that to be said. And it's like, man, that's, that's a very high bar, right? Like to, for it to be the biggest, you know, to be the most important book ever. And the closest I could come is I said, okay, if it really was going to resonate with people, what would it would have to be about how it feels to um, be in this system where, uh, where this system, which is organized sports as a kid, where you are, um, you're not so good, but you have to go through the motions, right? So it's a book for the kid that's not sporty, that's not the star. What's it like for all the kids who are basically like the 
the cones for the good kids to dribble around, you know, <laughs> Let me tell you. Like, I'm, I'm a cartoonist. I'm a, um, you know, I, I'm a graphic designer and some other, some other things like that. So, you know, I wasn't destined to be an Olympian, but I had to go through these experiences of degradation, humiliation, and sometimes a feeling of victory and, you know, satisfaction. But I think what I wanted to have happen in this book is I wanted kids to read it, to see themselves in the, in Greg and be able to laugh at their situation. Hmm. Like Greg, for example, his, he's a bench player and, you know, he sits on the bench and his mom is like, you know, it's, it's not that you're bad. It's that the coach is using you as a secret weapon. You know, you are the secret weapon and the coach is just saving you for, for the right moment. So mm-hmm. Greg is like, he takes that at face. Value. He's like, I'm, you know, he's, he's <laughs> I'm the guy, weapon. you know, it's yeah, like, that's, <laughs> that's a great person to be. So when he actually does get, you know, on the field in garbage time, he, he's just the cock of the walk. He feels like he's the most important, you know, kid on the field, things like that. It's like, I just want kids to, um, to be able to see themselves in Greg's situation and to have a name for it and a label for it, I guess. You yeah. Say. That is very admirable um, and definitely needed out there. There aren't that many books out there for the kid who's sitting on the sidelines. I think it'll be uh, pretty funny the moment where we see a kid sitting on the sideline reading this book specifically. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, That'll be that'll be what it's all for. Uh, so so we're going to transition lightly into our quick this segment What the quick this segment usually consists of is we uh, bring up a topic that maybe we couldn't cover in a full episode. or We don't think we get an hour of entertainment out of, but we still want to get out there. Uh, but being that you are very busy, I came up with your quick this for you. Um, <laughs> and I collected some questions from a second grade class from around our area. Um and we're going to try to speed run through these questions. We have about uh, nine, ten minutes. So we'll see how fast we can get through them. I'm just going to ask them one by one and you can answer um, as quick or as slow as you wish to. Uh, I'm going to leave out the name of the school, even though it was provided. But I will be saying the name of the student, the first name, um, just so that they know that their question was asked. So are you ready? Yes. Awesome. So this first question comes from Lauren and it is, why does the main character get bullied? Why does the main character get bullied? Because he is, um, <laughs> he's a wimpy kid. You know, he's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he, people always pick on the wimpy kid. That's right. Uh, this one's from Daniel. It's who would you recommend reading your books? I would recommend eight to 12 year old kids. That That's sort of the sweet spot. That's a sweet spot. But it did start out being written for adults. So if you guys like books, go read them. <laughs> um, so this one is from Tyler and it is what books would you recommend other than Wimpy Kid? I would recommend uh, the Big Nate books. Uh, there's a kid called there's a book called New Kid by Jerry Craft. That's a good one. Awesome. Nice. Uh, this one's from Trey. We already answered that. It's are you involved in the movies? And yes, you are. So that one's done. So this one's from Devin. How do you feel when you finish a book? What is that feeling? It feels weird. It feels like I just go back to normal life. And it goes from me like 16 hours a day sitting at my computer and then, um, you know, to freedom. So it feels good. Yeah. This one's from Brooklyn. And it is, can you please write more books? I love them? Question mark. (laughs) 
Yes, I, I, I will keep writing them. Uh, Excellent. <laughs> uh, this one is from Raven and is how long does it take to write a book? Another good question. It takes me about seven or eight months these days. Okay, that's not bad at all. Uh, this one is from Eddie. What inspired you to write books? Uh, what inspired me? I would say, um, you know, my mother was a really hard worker. She was creative and my father introduced me a comic. So I, the, the combination of those two. This one's from me, Alex. What's your favorite comic? Uh, my favorite comic is uh, Donald Duck or Uncle Scrooge by Carl Barks. He is a cartoonist. Uh, <laughs> it was in the 1940s and 50s. Awesome. My grandfather had some of those in his comic book collection. So that's Classics. very cool. Uh, this one's from Malia, and it says, how do you print your books and get a book cover? Mm. That's all done two different places, uh, both in the United States, and they they take, take care of the printing. It's in Wisconsin, most the books. Okay. Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> this one's from Kennedy. Uh, why do you write books? Kids ask the darnest things, huh? <laughs> <laughs> to make people laugh, to, to make people feel seen. I think you do a great job at that. Thank you. Um, this one's from Jackson. How many days does it take to get a book after you write it? Ah, gosh, about, um, you know, I, I sent it to the printer about two weeks ago. It's a real book now. I'll get it tomorrow. So three weeks. Wow. Two and a half weeks. Crazy. Quick turnaround. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is one of my favorites. This one's from Olivia, and it's, does the cheese feel weird? <laughs> it does. <laughs> I've got a big wall here. Like, here's a, I've got cheese in the office, right? I got that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah, cool. I see cheese on the ground somewhere under there. I don't know if you can see it, but it's somewhere. Um, and and you also uh, have it, like feels, a... it feels slimy. Yeah. Yeah. The cheese touch. That's an ongoing thing, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> That's a good bit. <laughs> okay. This is, I guess, another Alex question, but where did that come from? Was that a, a you story? <laughs> yeah, there was a piece of cheese on... Um, on my church parking lot playground and it was under a basketball hoop, so that gave me the imagery oh <laughs> excellent yeah, yeah that, 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 that is, is now like, like a very, very classic, classic like, like iconic, iconic image, image of the cheese under the basketball hoop right right L would like to know do you watch the wimpy kid movies um i do and i will actually no not the live actions anymore i haven't seen them for a long time but i've watched over and over the um you know the disney plus one <laughs> I I bet I would too. Um, and then this one's from Aaliyah, and it is: if you could draw a new character, what would it look like? Um, there's a lot of new characters. There are a lot of new characters in the new book, so she'll she will have to be uh, surprised by that. Out of all the books that you've written, which one is your favorite? Um, my favorite is the first one, and then I really like Big Shot. It's really good. Nice, nice. <laughs> um, have you ever or will you ever write books outside of the Wimpy Kid series? No, I've written really awesome one. friendly books, and I think maybe one day I will I will write books outside of the series. You got to write your autobiography with with the same drawing style. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where do you get your ideas for your stories? We answered that one. Um, the cemetery. When you were a, when no. you were a kid, what was your favorite movie or TV show? Uh, I would say my favorite movie or TV show was um, the. Uh, I really liked a Christmas story, which you guys have probably seen. Excellent. Oh yeah, yes, <laughs> the twenty-four yeah. hour marathons. It's hard not to see. Yeah. 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 Uh, what are some of the favorite books that you've read? Uh, I think we already answered that one as well. Yeah, I've read lots and lots of good ones. Three Keys is a really good one by Kelly Yang. There's mm -hmm. there's lots of good stuff out there for kids right now. Nice. 
what is your work schedule when you are writing? Do you have a special place you like to go when you are writing? Yeah, when I'm writing, I go to the cemetery uh, usually, and I um, sit in my car and. My schedule is very erratic, but once I draw, I'm, I'm drawing 16 hours a day at my desk. Gotcha. Yeah. And then this is the this is the last one we made it through the lightning round. It actually took five minutes, which is the classic uh, quick this time. Uh, how long does it usually take you to write a book? I think we actually already answered that one too. It's about seven months, you said, right? Yeah, yeah, about yeah, seven or eight months. Sometimes the first one took like nine years, so so. Oof. Yeah. But it it's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, okay, that's all the questions I have for them. Uh, I will gesture to my other two hosts. Is there anything else that you guys would like to ask? No, I'm all good. I was kind of flabbergasted from the beginning because I'm a software engineer, and that's where you got your start. And so I was just like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you very much. I got to go because I got to go to a meeting. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Yeah, thank thank you. you. If there's anything you want to plug before you go, feel free. Uh, just Disney Plus. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, so it will come out in December, December, December 3rd, I think. December 3rd. Awesome. Mark your calendars. Thank I'll you so there. much, Jeff. We we appreciate you coming on. Okay. Take care. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye. See you. Well, boys, that's another one in the book. That was a good one. <laughs> That was a good one. Um, as always, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to entertain this. Uh, if there's anything that we haven't covered on the show already, something that you think that we would like, we will definitely take a look into it. We love covering all things entertainment. That's what we're all about. You can send us suggestions to our email. We are entertain this podcast at gmail.com or you could go to our website is entertainthis.net. Scroll all the way to the bottom. There's a little questionnaire that you can fill out. You can also follow us on Twitter. We are entertain underscore this message us there. We love talking to people on Instagram. We are entertain this podcast and we have a Facebook page. It's podcast entertain this as always. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Entertain us so we can entertain you and you can entertain this. We'll see you guys next Friday. Peace. Bye. See ya. Special thanks to our guest, Jeff Kinney, for joining us on this episode. Additional commentary was provided by Nick Mustakangas, Alex Steele, and Michael Savoya. Our show owner and resident fact checker is Chloe Price. Our theme music is Fresh Bubble by Aaron Spencer, with additional interstitial music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening. <laughs>